0: Hey, what's up? My name is Jason. I'm the pastor of Church in the Wild. Thank you for joining us in the wild where we have sermons, conversations, interests, all the things that make us who we are. Thanks for jumping on here. You matter. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever uh, come to the startling realization? Some of you who are younger are not going to understand this, but have you ever realized that you're getting old? Have you had this moment? Okay. A couple of you. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, I realize this every time I listen to music. Uh, back in the day, I'm going to age myself, when we used to listen to NSYNC. Anybody in here NSYNC? Oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah, and these preachers would preach against them, and they would ah, oh, these guys are out of sync. I'm like, yeah, real creative. Thank you. Uh, but man, I, I was recently trying to find some new songs, and I'm like, I am getting old because I don't understand what anyone is singing about. Why are we singing about sushi, sushi in Japan? What's going on with that? I don't understand that. I'm starting to feel my age, and I'm starting to appreciate things that might not necessarily be brand new. We went to Yellowstone recently and I told a story about how me and my brother thought it was a good idea to cross a river, climb a mountain. Um, we talk, I was talking to Amanda France about that. and She was like, you know, you were standing where mountain lions live. That's where you guys were barefoot. I'm like, oh, great, great. But what I found myself doing on this trip was consistently like filming my dad and taking pictures of my dad and just beginning to appreciate My dad, where I'm at that age where I'm beginning to appreciate the wisdom. You know, when you're a teenager and your dad gives you wisdom, you're like, thanks, appreciate it, okay. You know, like you just, but I'm beginning to do that. And I was looking through clothes and I found a flannel shirt that I had bought before I met my wife. So it's like 14 years old. And I realized like, hey, this flannel that I I have for all these years, is becoming my favorite thing not because it's new but because it's not new i'm beginning to enjoy it for what it is it's this this shirt that like has a story and has a life to it acts chapter 17 is what we're going to read today acts chapter 17 is all about a couple of people who are looking for new and they are after we want new We want new, we want new, and they have this discussion with Paul, who tries to help them understand something that um, I am trying to understand, and I think that all of us in this crazy culture that we live in, which is new, 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 I think we can learn from it as well. Acts 17, verse 16, now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews, the devout persons in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers conversed with him and said, what does this babbler wish to say? This is a really interesting word, babbler. The idea of this word babbler is like a chicken running around pecking at the ground and bucking, like just making all this noise and running around pecking at the ground. So what they're saying is, hey, what is this guy doing? He's running around, he's saying all these things, and we don't understand what he's saying. Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. They took him, brought him to the Europagus saying, "We know what. may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring strange things to our ears. This was the origin of Stranger Things, the TV show, right there. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all, how could you listen to this? Because this is really interesting. Verse 21, all the Athenians, the foreigners who lived there, would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. These people were fascinated and they were enthralled by new. There's uh, two groups of people that are mentioned here. The first is the Epicureans, and the Epicureans' idea of philosophy was that they wanted to avoid pain, so we know they never did CrossFit. They desired for all forms of pleasure. They did not deny God. They just denied His intervention in their life, and their goal was to enjoy life today. If we would say things like they said, we would say, uh, seize the day, live for today. We are all about the moment. And these people went so far, and I need to make this distinction, there's nothing wrong with enjoying today, we're going to talk about this at the end of this sermon, but they went so far to embrace and worship really today and new things that it was said of them it is easier to find a god than a man in Athens and what that meant was that the Athenians were very very famous for trafficking younger and younger people and then mutilating them so there would be no results or repercussions for what went on in their temples during their festivals they were so famous For wanting new, 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 I've had you before, I want someone new. I've had you before, I want someone new. That they would literally mutilate young people so that their festivals and temples would have no repercussions for what was to come. And so that they could celebrate today in their mind and enjoy today in their mind with no thought of tomorrow. So it was said, not in the Bible, but in history, it's easier to find a God than a man in Athens because they, quite frankly, weren't sure who was who in that time because of so much mutilation being forced upon young people. And they were craving new so much. Look at it again. It says, verse 21, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. And I was thinking about how we, in our culture, are obsessed with new. We are obsessed, right? I I was talking to, to Jerry, one of our prayer team members today, and I said, I feel like this sermon might be easier to preach than it is to live because if I am completely honest, this right here can bring me something new every 10 seconds of my life. And I find myself, rather than running to God, I find myself running to a little device so that I can find something new in my life. Well, I've heard that song before. I've heard that artist before. I've worn those shoes before. I've had that before. I've eaten there before. I've had that playlist before. And I find myself, and I find in our generation and in our culture, this desire, this push. Give me new today. So much so that we here begin to worship youth. Now, I'm not, I'm not, we, we, like, we have new leaders that are young. We are for the next generation. We we encourage young people. I was talking to one of the families today. I went into kids church to check on him during the worship and they said, Hey, someday I'm going to be the pastor here. It was a young boy. He's like 10. I said, please, I would love for that to happen someday. And he said, yeah, I'm going to become the pastor of this church. And I said, you can absolutely do that. We will empower you. We will equip you and we will help you because we believe in youth. But can I just remind myself, if no one else, age is not a curse word. Just because someone's over 40 doesn't mean they don't know what they're talking about anymore. We we get in such a rush to find new, 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 that we almost disqualify people. Oh, okay, yeah, we know, yeah, you're you're older. We want someone new to tell us what to do. We want a new this. Think about how we do life. We get new Starbucks menus every three seasons, of the every three months. And I'm, (laughs) dude, pumpkin cream cold brew is amazing. I love it. I'm all about it. I'm a basic white girl when it comes to that. Let me tell you. But man, we get this new menu. We get new food. We get new. I was showing my wife. I said, there's new Jordans. I got to get these new Jordans. She's like, look at how much they cost. I'm like, yeah, but they're new. (laughs) Like, what are we even doing? We rush and we serve. Solomon's son, was he was the king of Israel. Solomon was like the wisest king in the, in the Bible. Everyone talked about Solomon and how wise he was. And he had a son who got, he built two teams of counselors when he became king. He built a team with experience and wisdom, and he built a team of his friends who were young. And when the crucial moment came, he ignored the advice from the older generation and said, I only care what the younger people say. And he lost five-sixths of his kingdom in one decision. I'm not saying that we throw out new, but I am saying that, hey, grandparents have a lot of wisdom and it might be time that we start embracing them for more than just buying us new things. It might be time that we embrace the wisdom of our parents and we don't want to wait until we're 38 years old riding around in a van to suddenly realize, hey, you know what, my dad's pretty smart. We worship new in youth. We worship it in philosophy, in religion. We need, we need new YouTube preachers. I don't want to listen to what my guy has to say. I'm going to find someone on YouTube because they're new. We listen to new worship. We constantly and consistently crave new. Why? because we struggle with the same thing that the Epicureans struggled with, which is, I want new so that I can enjoy life today. Second group that were there, they were called Stoics. They worshiped one's reason and self-sufficiency. Their goal was to endure life. They were probably the CrossFitters in the room. They were the Bible scholars in the room. They said, if you met a Stoic and you said, "What are you doing?" They would say, "Grinding." How you doing? Oh, you know, tired, worn out, busy, working. You know how you bump into one person, you're like, "What are you doing?" And they're like, "I got, I'm on a new adventure. I got this new trip. I got this new thing. I got this new car." And then the other people are like, "Hey, I got, I, I'm just grinding through life. I'm just trying to make it to the weekend." That's what these guys were. They ultimate goal was that they would control their own destiny and they wanted to appear holy and religious and they wanted to appear to have new things to teach so you have the epicureans who want to enjoy new things so paul talks about the resurrection and they're like this is new tell us it so we can have fun And then you, Paul begins to talk to the Stoics and they're like, this is new. Tell it to me so I can tell somebody else so I can appear to be more intelligent than them, which once again, (laughs) reminds me of social media. What do we do? Let me, somebody tell me a new fact so I can put it on my story to disagree with this person who thinks masks are bad and I think masks are good. And so now I have something new so I can teach them. So let me tell you because I have new facts. And our culture is inundated with, I need new. I need new. And I want to appear a certain way. This is the part of the sermon that I struggle with. Because we want to appear one way or another. And often our appearance, our desire for appearance, clouds our reality. So much so that we don't even know what's real or not anymore. Let me just think about our food. If you are what you eat, we are all fake. Right? Just in food. And life and culture is pushing us so much into appearance. I'm in a group chat with pastors and I went to a mentoring thing with pastors and we began to discuss this. And what we, we, we began to realize is there are a lot of families who are very obsessed, much like the Athenians, with appearance. Both of these two groups of people were obsessed with anything new. Both thought that life here on earth was the ultimate goal, and both wanted to appear a certain way. They wanted to appear as if they worshipped gods, or they wanted to appear as if they had fun or as if they were intelligent, so they did everything they could to appear religious, intelligent, or fun. So much so that 600 years before this is mentioned, the city of Athens was going through a terrible pestilence. Their philosophy was to loose a flock of goats through the city, and anywhere that one laid down, they built an idol to the closest temple to where that goat laid down. The problem was the goats continued to lay down more and more and more, so they began to have to build more and more and more temples and idols. And then they realized that they were getting further and further away from the the temples that they associated with, so they began to build temples and idols to gods who they named the unknown god. Because they said, we don't want to offend any god and we want to be known as a city that is known for philosophy and religion. And so we're just going to put an idol to any God and name it the ungod and put it unknown God and put it everywhere. So by the time Paul arrives, he, the Bible says in, in Acts 17, he was waiting and his spirit was provoked within him because he saw that the city was full of idols. There was idols everywhere known to these unknown gods because they wanted new and they wanted to appear a certain way so bad. It's easy to judge someone from a long time ago, but as we talked about this together as pastors, we began to realize there's a common theme in us and in families today. We worship appearance here in America so much, we no longer know what is real about love, or about connection. We wake up, we go to work, we maybe eat breakfast possibly, and maybe say a few words to each other before we drop the kids off at school and go to work. The average working person spends two to three hours a day on their phone, most of that on social media, and they text their spouse maybe three times per day. When we arrive home, the average husband uh, begins to be on his phone looking up at things that he wants. The wife is on her phone looking at things that she wants. And the dinner table, the child has a tablet or a television. And we do not even connect with the people who are in our house as we eat. But because we are so obsessed with appearing like we do, we use that same phone to take a picture of the family dinner that we're having. So we've got to put our phones down because we're having family dinner. When that's done, maybe we watch a movie together but rarely talk. When that's done, the kid goes to bed. Perhaps if we pray with them, perhaps we read them devotions. Perhaps we do something like that. And then the husband is feeling disconnected. So he tries to solve this by asking his wife if they can make out. She says, that stage is gone, that ship has sailed, that's gross, that's done, we're not doing that. He feels disconnected, he gets on his phone. She attempts to talk to him and feel connected to him by discussing her day with him. He says, you're being over-emotional, you're being too dramatic, this is boring. Uh, He gives a short answer, and they are disconnected. And unfortunately, what happens is, on their phone, they connect with people and get new things So new connection, new connection, new connection while lying in the same bed, never connecting to each other. And the next morning, he posts a picture saying how much he loves his wife. She posts an Instagram reel or a TikTok saying something suggestive about him. Why? Because it's more important to appear to the people on social media that we're in love and that we're connected than it is to actually be in love and connected to the people who live in our own house. And we have idols to unknown gods. Now, I use this. I am guilty of this. But often in my life, my phone has become nothing more than an idol to something new so that I can appear a certain way. We often care more about appearing to connect and being loved to those who do not live in our house than we do about actually connecting those who live with us daily. And sadly what happens is young adults see it and they say, I want what you have. And they date someone who they don't even really like but they want to have the same thing that they think we have. So they go through the same process and we never really have deep love connections. Instead, we appear like we're in love. But it doesn't just go there, it also goes into into fun. Think about events. How many times have you seen someone show up at an event dressed to the nines? They stand around complaining about the weather, how hot it is or how cold it is, or how they don't like someone who's there. They take a picture and they leave, and then you see them on Instagram that night. So much fun at the pumpkin festival. I'm like, I saw you. You did not like it. We also do the same thing, Christians. We are so guilty of this. We want to appear holy. We want to appear righteous. We want to appear like we work hard or we're intelligent. We want to appear like we have concern for the less fortunate. We want to uh, appear like we are rich. So we don't actually possess wealth anymore. We just possess things that cost us a lot of money on credit cards so that we can appear to be rich and successful because we we have worshipped appearance of success. So much so that we're not willing to wait any longer for our parents who spent 20 years to buy what they have. We want it now. So we rack up higher and higher and higher debt in an effort for a new house, a new car. I already had that car. I want a new car. I want new clothes. It's fall. I need new school clothes. I need new Jordans. I need new this. And at churches, we just add spiritual terms to what the Epicureans and Stoics were saying. We say things like this, well, healthy things grow. Bacteria grows, it's not always healthy. Parasites grow. The virus that we all are concerned about right now grows new variants. It doesn't mean it's healthy. But we worship the appearance, oh, so we appear like we are a healthy church because we have a lot of people and so we must be good. Good. We worship it. All of this leads us to worshiping gods that we didn't realize we were worshiping, and it enslaves us. We are more disconnected and starving for connection than ever before. In the most connected time in the history of the world, we often feel the most disconnected. In the most connected time, Something I'm gonna talk about next week, our mental health, uh, this is like part two of this sermon and I'm gonna be probably more brutally honest about myself than you ever want me to be next week. We, we, we are less connected and starving for connection and so we, we struggle more even though we have more access to new connections at our fingertips, we feel less connected. Why? The same reason that these people felt less connected. That's why they saw Paul and said, tell us what you believe, because they were starving for something. Because the desire to live only for today eventually enslaves us and captures us and puts us into chains. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. See, the Epicureans said, enjoy life, The Stoics said endure life, but Paul said Jesus came to give eternal life. Jesus gives us eternal life and helps us truly enjoy the good moments of today while also giving us strength to endure the bad moments. By focusing on eternity, we enjoy today more And we have the strength to endure the hard times more than we ever had how by simply lifting our focus from today to eternity. Now, A lot of times you're told that focusing on eternity is scary, but it actually gives us peace it gives us rest by reminding us that there is an eternal God who created us for an eternal connection who wants to live for eternity with us and he created us and he made us to enjoy things and he gives us strength to get through hard things. We find peace and rest in the struggle of life. Why? Because if if he was there before the problem began, and if he's there after the problem ends, we know he's with us in the problem too. And when we are not so consumed with today, with new, with new, I, I got I to have this today. Teach me something new today. Show me something today. I want to enjoy today. But instead we say, I want to live with eternity in mind. It reconnects us to the family members and the friends that we felt disconnected from. Why? It's a lot easier to enjoy your spouse when you remember that your spouse is a daughter or a son of God who loves them. It's so much easier to enjoy my parents when I remember that my parents are children of God. It's so much easier to be connected to my friends when I remember that my friends are eternal beings with souls who God loved so much that he died for them. It's so much easier to have a good day today when I remember that there is an eternal creator who loved me enough that if I was the only person on this earth, he would have come and died for me. And I find rest in that. When we have a new tragedy daily, I find rest in peace in the fact that God was here before those tragedies. When I, when I realize that I enjoy new good things today, I think about how great eternity with my God will be. And I find peace and rest for my soul. And it's easier for me to not have to have new shoes. It's easier for me to not have to have new clothes. It's easier for me to not have to have a new house or a new car or a new boat. I've been telling my wife, I've got to buy a boat. Why? Because the one who created all cares about me he cares about me so much that he gave me dopamine in my brain to enjoy good moments think about it, he didn't have to do that he could have just released us like robots on this planet and said do what i tell you to do but instead he allowed us to when we meet someone who we have a good time all of a sudden our brain and we're like oh and we smile He gave us what is within us to enjoy connection and enjoy love and enjoy relationships and enjoy the moment. But he also said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Think about that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to age myself really here. If InSync didn't age me, this will. I remember every moment of September 11th. And I'm finding that there are people who are like, oh, I wasn't alive when that happened. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm old. I remember every moment. I remember fear. I remember, like, what are we going to do? I remember all that. Now, last night, I watched a football team play another football team, and they... They celebrated America, and they put a flag out, and I thought, man, God got us through that. God got us through September 11th, as painful and as tragic as it was. And God's going to get you through today, as painful and as tragic as it is. And God was with you when that that person smiled at you and you hoped they would. God is with you. When you got fired at work or talked about or lied about, God is with you in the good moments and he's with you in the bad moments because he is eternal. They said, teach us something new. And Paul said, let me tell you not about today, but how to have eternal life. There is so much more to life than just enjoying it or enduring it. There is eternal life. Jesus said that we could be re- transformed by the renewing of our minds. God wants us to have a life free of the chains of false gods that imprison us and cripple us with anxiety, fear, and pain, and all the things that go along with it that we are so addicted to. How? It's an old school song. Aged myself already, so I might as well do it again. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. When I shift my eyes from give me new to give me Jesus, and I have an eternal focus, he blesses me with new and gives me strength in the hard times. I don't know where you are in life. I don't know if you're enduring life or enjoying life. I don't know which focus you have, but let me challenge you today to switch your focus to eternal life. I'm ask our worship team to come up here. I'm ask our prayer team to come up here. i got one more story. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm a little bit of a train wreck when it comes to my four-year-old daughter. She literally is my world. So we were driving home in the Jeep. It's a long drive. Usually she plays her iPad and she says things like, she'll be playing and in Austin, she'll go, dad, I love you, dad, I love you. Or she'll say, if she's not supposed to be watching something, she'll say, well, how did that get on here? Yeah. But this Thursday she said to me, dad, what happened to your heart this past spring? She never like really asked me that. So I talked to her about my heart and I said, I, don't know, I had two strokes and then I had to have a, a heart surgery because blood was getting out of my heart and it was pouring into my body. And so I had to have this surgery. And she said, uh, Somebody said there's something called death. I said, Yeah. She said, Did death try to stop your brain and your heart? I said, Yeah. She said, But Jesus is stronger. So he went in and fixed it so that you could live forever, didn't he, Dad? If you ever want to feel like you are just like like blown away, have a conversation with her. You know what she said to me? Jesus did that for you. I said, yeah. She said, I love him. I said, so do I. She said, I, I just want him in my life. I was like, who are you (laughs) like two minutes ago you were telling me you needed a cake popper you're gonna throw a fit she started to sing this song that she made up on the spot bless the lord and started singing and she took my focus from today back to eternity back to where it should have been all along from hey, I need this and I gotta do this and I need this and boy it's hard. Sam's in California, and so I gotta do these things and we gotta get this done and boy there's this thing going on, and you know what I really want to I wanna I wanna beat Lacey at CrossFit once in my life, just once, to all of a sudden, yeah, God did heal me. I went into a hospital room being told I would never walk out, never do CrossFit, never preach, and never lift my daughter again. To the next day, the nurse saying, hey, I know we were supposed to take you out in a wheelchair. You're going to walk out of here, aren't you? You know I am. And walking out. Why? Jesus was with me in the today. He's with you today. It's hard to see. Because we have so much focus on new. So I don't know about you. You can stand to your feet. Maybe it's just me struggling with, with with, appearance and struggling with new. But sometimes I get so wrapped up in right now that I forget that He's with me in the good times. And I forget that He's with me in the bad. And I forget that He created me. And I forget that He died for me. And I'm running out of time. And I forget that He's, he's there for me. I forget Because I get so wrapped up in, oh, my football team's playing. i got to watch this game. What am I going to do today? Is there someone new today that I can meet? Jesus' name is I am. That means he's always been and he always will. He's always with you. So let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray. I don't know. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ. Your life is eternally wrapped up in how you do today. Hey, I am in this today. If I do good enough today, then I'll be all right. God came to give you life and to give it more abundantly. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all sin. No matter how much we try to appear righteous, I am a pastor's kid I am a pastor. I know how to try to appear righteous. And I know that as much as I try to appear, I am not righteous. But God gave his love for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. That's me. That's you. Those of us wrapped up and give me new today. I can do this on my own. I want to enjoy today. God died for us. He died for us that want to endure it. He died for us who want to enjoy it. He said, I'm with you till the end of the age. Maybe you need to accept him as your Lord and Savior and say, hey, forgive me for my sins. I can't be righteous on my own. I'm tired of trying. Save me, God. Or maybe you are a Christian and like me, you get so wrapped up in trying to enjoy life or you get so wrapped up in, oh, I got to endure this you forget about eternity. Turn to Jesus. An eternal focus reconnects us and it solves so many. It breaks the chains in the prison that we lock ourselves in by obsessing over today. If you want to pray with one of our prayer team members, they are up here as we worship. I'm going to pray, we're going to worship, we're going to sing together. If you'd like to pray with one of our prayer team members, they would pray with you. They will talk to you about accepting Jesus, or they will talk to you about how we can help you endure together through hard times, or how we can together enjoy life as we worship. I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump into it. Heavenly Father, you are good, gracious, kind, loving, just, righteous, holy. You are eternal, you made us, you created us, and you are here for us. God, help us to remain focused on eternal life, not just on appearance, not just on what's new, not just on today, but on you. You will give us strength. You will be and help us to enjoy the good times, and you will be with us in the hard times. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Remain